Welcome to Remotely Creative, a RemCAD podcast where we talk to artists, designers, and wildcards about how they're surviving in the era of COVID-19 isolation. I'm Rob Flattery, and with me today is Anthony Benedetto, co-founder of multidisciplinary creative studio Nova Nimbus. Anthony is also a RemCAD alumnus who graduated in 2014. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Yeah. What year did you graduate? 14. Wow. It doesn't seem like that long ago. I know, but it has been. That's six years. Uh, My first experience with you was obviously at the um, student show. I remember giving you an award, like picking out your work, because I was the interim gallery director for a little bit. And so you got the gallery director award. Yeah, so, I remember that. Uh, yeah, that's still one of my favorite pieces in any student show. So thanks um, so much. Yeah, it's pretty awesome to see what you've done since then. I kind of I follow you on Instagram and um, see some of your work. So and I think thanks Facebook, too. So making making great stuff. So, all right. You were in Portland or? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I moved to Portland five years ago from Denver because um, I got a job offer out there and we lived there like, yeah, for five years. And then just at the end of May, May 31st, we came back, we got back. So in the middle of a pandemic, you moved back. In the middle of a pandemic, we moved halfway across the country. It was crazy. That makes sense. That's the best way to do it, right? I mean, the roads were clear, you know? Exactly. Less traffic, less traffic. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah Pueblo, I I think I've driven through there once, but the thing I remember about Pueblo, I know that's where you're from, is when I was a kid, they would always show commercials and it would say, send self-addressed stamped envelope, blah, 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 Pueblo, Colorado. And I don't even know what the, the product was. I know. Everybody says that. You're not the first person to tell me that. Like, everybody says whatever the infomercial thing was, was based in Pueblo. So that's how they know about it. It's like the patent office or something. I don't yeah. remember. I just remember that that being something that, that was on a commercial. So Yeah, I, I've heard it. Nice. Well, how's business going right now? Dude, it's going okay, you know. Um I have a few projects that I'm working on, so I'm staying steady, you know, but it's a little weird. It's like, I've had a few clients that have worked for say like, yeah, we're kind of slowing down a little, or we're kind of watching things a little bit closer, you know, but it's going okay. Yeah. Are you getting weird requests for like hand sanitizer and custom face mask and stuff like that? No, no, I'm not. Maybe you should make your own. I think put yeah. put them on Threadless or something. Sell could, them. Could do it. Yeah, I, I know. You won't. No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I could see some of your cool illustrations on on custom face masks. Maybe not hand sanitizer, but yeah, yeah. Should definitely do that. So you've worked with some huge clients, Adidas, the Knives Out film. Um, what responsibility do big brands have right now? dude i mean in what regard what do you mean explain a little bit further what responsibility yeah Yeah, just as far as like what are they responding um with you know the the current pandemic obviously we've got the pandemic going on we have the protests going on right now yeah you know do you think that there's obviously um some response that the big brands 
have for social responsibility? Yeah, I mean, I think these guys have a lot of influence, you know, in the culture uh, and, and just in period in general. So I think they definitely need to be conscious of that and how they use it um, in a positive way. Because, uh, yeah, they, they carry a lot of sway, you know. Yeah, as, as you're um, designing and working and illustrating for someone, do you, do you have any influence over that? Do you, do you try to push these companies into something socially responsible or you just kind of just take direction or? Well, you know, I mean, it, it all depends on the client, I would say, and it all depends on the artist too. So some people might not feel comfortable doing that. Um, they feel like their lane is more, okay, give me the direction and I'll do exactly what you need. Um, so I think it, it varies between client and artist, but me personally, I feel like I never want to do anything that's void of my voice or my uh, signature, you know what I mean? So I feel like I'm always conscious of that and I'm always pretty forward with trying to get what I want in there, in there, you know, nice. but they don't always take it, you know? <laughs> So at the end of the day, you kind of, you do have to be really malleable. You have to be pliable. I mean, we're commercial artists. So I have to be seeking to, to please the client, you know? Awesome. Yeah, no, that's, that makes sense. You, you can try to push, push your agenda as much as possible, but you are working for someone else. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you could be the agency of record for any brand right now, who would you want to and why? I mean, I love Cartoon Network. I love Adult Swim. I love uh, stuff at Titmouse. Mm -hmm. uh, so probably one of those, just because I love the place that animation is taking in the culture. Uh, it's so, so much different than it was when I grew up. Uh, I feel like animation is just more prevalent in a wider range of audience too. So I, I'd love to be able to influence and speak to a younger age range as well as older. So I guess that'd probably be it. Nice. Um, Titmouse, it's a studio, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that that's something, just the word Titmouse and it's an actual thing was something that um, my wife always used to say, her mom would say the word titmouse. And I'm like, that's not a real thing. That's not a real thing. And then yeah. I actually found out but, it's, a, it's a real thing. Yeah, it's like a bird. It's like a, yeah. it's the name of a bird, yeah. But it's, it's the weirdest thing. name. A super weird name, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you kind of touched on the animation, you, you know, how it diversify, you could have diverse audiences with that. So what draws you to animation? Like, yeah, dude, I, uh, I've just always loved animation. When I went to RimCAD and I toured the school before I decided to go there, I was just really struggling to make a decision between my major animation or illustration. Um, and I ended up doing illustration and I think it, I have no regrets. I think it was the right choice, but the reason I had such 
of a, so much of a struggle is because I am so influenced by animation, more so than illustration, actually. So my the major influences in my life that I would say even speak in my illustration work are not illustration themselves. So I'm inspired by thousands of illustrators, but the things that move me the most have always been animation. So like... Batman the Animated Series back in the 90s. I grew up watching that every day after school, you know, and I just love everything about that animation. Um, and then throughout the years, it's just been another animation after another animation. Japanese anime, uh, stuff from Nickelodeon. I love Avatar, The Last Airbender, things like that. And so I'm always just so motivated by that. Um, and, it, and I try to illustrate from that motivation. Uh, and so I think naturally I just kept returning back to that. And then I started doing actual work in animation, which has been amazing. Nice. Batman the Animated Series. Great, great show. And now once you said that, I think of your work and I'm like, makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Very okay. flat, like the just a color palette. That's great, because I love that show. It might be one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, it's on the, I have the DC network, and I, I think it's on there, right? Like, it should be, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows what's happening with the DC network now that HBO Max exists, so. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? So c coming from illustration background, going to school for illustration, was it easy to transition into animation work? Yeah, dude, I think so. I mean, they're, they're so alike in discipline. Um, and I'm not animating uh, official, you know, so I'm not an animator. I've been doing background paintings. Um, and so I think you can clearly see that as still imagery, uh, you know, and pull that from the illustration discipline because I'm by no means an animator. Uh, that's like, it's a whole different beast, you know, and I, I'd love, I'd love to start to do that stuff. And I'm doing, I'm exploring a little bit on my own of just some limited animation stuff. And hopefully I'll be releasing some of that stuff soon, but yeah, I'm not an animator, but so it's basically like I'm taking, you know, what I learned from Barry Couser and uh, landscape painting, and I'm just using it for, for cartoons, you know? So it, I think it easily translates. And even if you get into like character design and things like that, I think that's directly just pulling from your illustration training, uh, you know? Nice. Yeah, Barry's pretty awesome. Yeah, he's incredible. So shout out to Barry Couser. Um, no doubt. So do you think motion graphics might be the, the future of design? What are, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, dude, there's, I got, good buddies that, that are illustrators, but they, they get a lot of work doing motion graphics stuff. Um, and it's really cool. I like it. We've done a good amount of that stuff. Um, and I think, yeah, I, there's a, there's a, you could go really far with that stuff and it's really cool. There's a, a friend of ours that has a studio based in Canada called Ordinary Folk. And they do incredible motion 
design and motion graphic stuff. Uh, Jorge Estrada is, is, is the owner. And so, yeah, I mean, there's some really cool stuff out there. Uh, and I think for industry, it seems really prevalent because so many people could and do utilize that for their business. You know, it, uh, when you get into animation or these animation studios and stuff like that, that are doing more of like series or, or films or fully features, I should say, that's a little bit more in the realm of like fine arts, you know, because it's like a creator trying to pitch a show and tell stories. And it's a little bit more in that realm where motion graphics fits more into this like commercial sphere a lot easier. It's a lot more universally, universally applicable, I think. So there's definitely a lot of money in that. Uh, and I'm clearly, or I'm uh, really open to doing more of that work. It can be fun. Are you just in it for the money now that you mentioned that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's a big factor, but heck no, you know. You have you have family, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I got a wife and four kids. Four kids. Wow. Yeah. So, four kids moved to Portland. Wife. Let's talk about Portland for a minute. I've only been to Portland a couple times. Everything was covered in moss. That's all I remember. It's green everywhere, especially if you come from Colorado or you grew up in Colorado or spent a lot of time here. It's really brown in Colorado. Uh, in the mountains and stuff, it's not so much. And Denver is not nearly as brown as Pueblo is, but Portland is green everywhere. Uh, it's like you're in Jurassic Park and it's incredible. Totally. I just yeah. remember an air conditioner, like a window air conditioner unit, um, at the, was that the Oregon school of art and craft? I think that's the name of it. Um, they just, the air conditioner, I just looked out the window when I was there and the whole air conditioner was covered in moss. Yeah. And that was just the weirdest thing to me. Yeah, dude, it's funny, and, it's, and everybody in Colorado has sprinkler systems, you know, so they can get their grass green, and sprinkler systems just don't exist in Portland. But then it's weird because in the summer, it's the dry season in Portland, and because nobody has sprinkler systems, everybody's grass is brown. But that's the only thing that's brown. Everything else is green. Uh, but, yeah, man, it's Portland's awesome. Was all, biscuits and gravy, that's, that's their thing, right? Oh, I mean, Portland has... I like food, so we can talk about food all day. Oh, we can talk about food. <laughs> I love food. Uh, Portland has is so diverse with food. There's so many food options and drink. The food and drink culture in Portland is phenomenal. Um, and I'm like a very methodical person, and I'm a list maker. So I got like a restaurants list and I separate it per type of cuisine, lunch, dinner. And in Portland, I just kept adding to my list, you know, and it's like inexhaustible. There's so many different types of food. Um, so many places to eat, so many good places to get a drink. It's incredible. The culture is amazing. Right. Did you ever go to Ringside Steakhouse? No, I didn't. Yeah, that that's the one steakhouse I remember going to in Portland. Um, it's a, you know, a nice restaurant. There's a lot of different food options there, but sometimes you just want a, a good old school steakhouse. And that one, that yeah. one's one of them. 
Yeah. Yeah, I never went there, but so many good places, man. Coffee is incredible out there. Yeah. But but they are famous for biscuits and gravy. Did I make that up? No, I don't know if you made that up, but there's a place called Pine State Biscuits that's like a staple to the city. Okay. Your biscuits and gravy are incredible. Okay. I yeah. I like biscuits and gravy any time of the day. So Yeah, they're amazing. Maybe that's what I'll have for dinner tonight. There you go, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk about your business, uh, Nova Nimbus. What made you decide to go into business for yourself? Well, I mean, I've been basically in business for myself since I started school in 2010 because I started freelancing, you know. So you're a freelance illustrator, designer. You're basically, you know, an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've kind of been doing that basically I've been in business for myself for 10 years but Nova Nimbus specifically I started in 2018 with my partner Cortland Urbano uh, and we started that because we just had like a really cohesive vision for things we wanted to do and we were both working at a record label in Portland that chapter was kind of closing and we both were just like on the level, on the wavelength of like uh, what we wanted to do with our career. And so we started it. He, Cortland is a musician, so he's a composer and a sound designer. Um, and then I'm an illustrator and designer, but we're both highly passionate about animation and film. Uh, and so I think it just made a good match and we both wanted to be part of something that could offer those services in a variety of for a variety of clients in a variety of ways so we decided let's do it together you know nice and everything's been going well he's still in portland yeah he's still so we started it yeah in 2018 we were renting renting a space there uh but Business-wise, nothing has changed. Everything is going good. I just have been, like, pulled back to my family. Uh, I have a massive family, not just my immediate family, but my extended family is huge, and the majority of them live here in Pueblo, and so does my wife's. And so we just – we've been gone for 10 years, and we just never the, – the, the pull to come back and be with family just never went away. Um. So we finally decided to do that. So Cortland is still there uh, working in Portland and uh, I'm here. So we're just kind of doing the remote thing, which in this day and age is kind of, especially during the pandemic, it's been forced on all of us, you know, but uh, yeah. And it's, and interestingly enough, most of our clients are remote anyways. They have been, um, we haven't had a lot of local clients in Portland or even when I was in Denver that were requiring me to be there. You know, most of my clients are, are elsewhere anyways. So it made sense to us to just say that we can do this from anywhere, you know? Do you, so do you still have a, like a retail space or an office space up there or just close no, we do. Yeah, we still have an office space there uh, that Cortland's in, but I don't know how much longer we'll keep that. Um, but, and then I just moved into a space here. Uh, 
It's finally actually got set up, finished setting up today. Uh, but yeah, so we'll just kind of work in our own respective spaces. And then if work necessitates, you know, travel either place, we'll do it, you know, but for now, I think it, it's working good. Nice. Yeah. Got, got your zoom camera set up and you know, your, your background looks a little picturesque. I like it. So that's real. That's real. That's not uh, fabricated, right? Yeah. Not fabricated, bro. This is how I do it, dude. I know. I like it. I like it. So, um, very Don Draper. I'm, I'm, I'm pro, uh, Mad Men there. So, sir. Um, so, how can young artists who are new to working remote thrive in this setting? Like, this seems to be a very crazy time, and everybody's going to be thrown into it. Yeah, I know it is crazy, but I don't know, dude. I feel like I said when I was in school, I was freelancing, and there was several clients that were not in Denver or anywhere in the area. And you just have to kind of learn how to do that, you know? And I think there's a lot, obviously there's a lot of jobs where you do go work in a studio or, but there's so many that, that are completely okay with remote work, you know? Um, so I do think that it's just kind of the way it is now. Technology allows for that um but again some people don't like that some people are like i gotta be around others all the time and i want to be in the environment and that works best for me and that still happens a ton but i think that i would just say there's benefits to both you know uh you got to try to be flexible there's there's benefits if you're in a studio setting surrounded by other people and you have direct access and inspiration to the people you're working with and around but there's also benefits to being by yourself or maybe not by yourself but remote from who you're working from because you set your own schedule and you uh you know i don't know it depends on the people you know uh, definitely i would just say that they should test the water, see what it is that works best for them you know if they start doing work remotely for clients and it's just really it's a, it's a struggle. Well, then maybe they need to look towards more structured studio position, you know, but if they really like it, then maybe they stay in that lane, you know? Yeah. One of the um, previous podcasts um, had with Candace Lambert, we were talking about her husband thinks that um, this is going to be, you know, one of the big things for corporate real estate or commercial real estate is kind of going to go out because everybody's kind of seeing that remote working actually makes sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, I, it's been something that has actually been really good. I think I get a lot more work done just being at home in my mm -hmm. studio. Um, but, you know, yeah. I also think I work too much now. So. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I, as you can see here, well, I, and I don't know if you can tell, it just looks like a room, but like, I'm renting a space, so I do not work good from home. Okay. I cannot do it. Because uh, you have 87 children running around. Yeah, I got 87 <laughs> kids running around, you know, like, if, and especially in the summer when they're off school, mm -hmm. it's impossible for me to stay focused and not get pulled out of my headspace 
if someone's fighting or someone needs attention or we need to handle something. And I don't know, call me old school or whatever, but all my professional career, I've left the house to go to work. And you sort of have a mental switch. When you do that, you're at work, mm -hmm. right? And then when you come back, you have a mental switch, especially with the family. Even if you don't have a family, if you just have a spouse or a girlfriend or whatever, you switch back. You're not at work. And I know for, for a lot of us who are passionate about things, it's even hard to do that switch back you know it, you tend to just ruminate on the things you're working on but for me it's almost impossible if i stay home and there's a couple factors like one i really like to be inspired and there's something about and i kind of draw on that and, uh, and lean on it and there's something about leaving and going out that's even just that in itself is inspiring to me and then again, this this uh, lack of distraction while I'm at work, I can really focus in and and be you know working on an illustration or something for hours with my head down, and I really am very productive like that. So even though I am working remotely for clients, I still really need to leave and have a space that's like my own. Oh. Um, so during this pandemic, it's been challenging because there was about two months there in Portland before we moved back to Colorado where I did work from home. We left our studio space and we worked from home. Uh, and that was really challenging. And all the kids were home from school and they were doing school from home. So everybody's on a laptop doing Zoom. And it was challenging, dude. I bet, I bet your internet connection was great with six yeah, of you yeah, on, the, exactly. on the internet, internet all the time lagging and you know kids are fighting and trying to do a, a call with a client it's just, it's, it can be very difficult you know did you hide in the closet yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude but it's crazy so i don't know i there's one thing working remote, and I think it just depends, but my family structure just makes it very challenging to do from home, unless maybe I had some sort of detached structure mm -hmm. that was a studio space that I could just be isolated in. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm fortunate that my studio is in the basement, and, you know, it's it's a finished basement, and it's it's definitely a different, like, that's upstairs, and this is the studio and, and yeah, game room. Yeah, that's cool. I got NBA Jam arcade game. I've got to put it together. I'm very excited about that. Oh, nice. <laughs> just came out, just got released. Um, so how are you finding new inspiration when you can't really go out like you used to? Yeah. Yeah, it's challenging, you know. Um, I, uh, what I really like to do is, is ride my bike. Um, and I feel, and Portland was amazing for this because the city's just so beautiful. And I found that I could still exercise in the months that would allow it. That's another challenge about Portland is it rains nine months out of the year. But that's something that helps me just, just being out in the world and in, and in around the city that I live in on my bike. Um, well, yeah, it's definitely puts a hamper on things when you can't just go to a restaurant, you can't just go to a movie, you can't just, you know, do 
things normally like you always do without thinking about it. Um, puts a hamper on it, but I think one of the things that's helped me is I have a, a couple buddies that are in the animation and illustration field that we have been like doing Zoom calls like every other Saturday. Um, and I get to see them and we talk about work we're working on. We show each other work. Um, and so that's been really helpful uh, during this time. And I, and I think that's helpful, period, though. Uh, one thing that was so amazing about school and especially an on-ground education was that camaraderie and that inspiration. There were so many illustrators around me and animators and, and just artists, period, that we would pull inspiration from each other and we'd talk about stuff and show stuff we're working on, show stuff we're into. So I think that's just necessary to try to keep that going in your professional career regardless. So I, yeah, I think networking is definitely, definitely important. Um, obviously you collaborate a lot. How did, you know, how did you, how'd you get into that and what, what keeps that interesting to you? I mean, that is to me the most interesting art. Uh, and I would even say all art is collaboration. Uh, even if you're not directly, you know, working with somebody, you're, you're building upon all the different art that you've seen in your life and all the things that have inspired you. So I feel like it's all collaboration anyways. So, but for me, that makes things the most exciting when I get to work with other people. Uh, that's why I became an illustrator. That's why I wanted to be in the commercial sphere. Even though I feel like the fine artists are collaborating too. Uh, I feel like I wanted to do that because I really find a lot of enjoyment in working with other people. I don't want to just be alone in my studio in my own head. Just And even that, you can't do that. You can't even create art in a vacuum if you try it. So, but I never desired to be just in my studio, head down, just coming up with stuff. I want to be working with other people. Um, one one project I did in Denver back in 2017 was uh, was a mural project for uh, there's a Blue Moon Brewery uh, in the Arts District in Denver, and they uh, hired me and two other artists to collaborate on a mural design that they were going to put on a wall outside their, their brewery. And that was a crazy project, but it was also one of the most enjoyable for that reason, because I was directly collaborating with two other artists. Um, and then we were also working for an ad agency that was hired by the brewery. And so it was just that whole kind of group effort is just something that I think is really exciting for me. So I just, were they artists that you knew before or were you no, like paired I up? I never even heard of them. Oh, nice. Yeah. Never heard of them. And they're phenomenal artists. Uh, Caitlin Tusek, she lives and works in Denver still. And then Scott Albrecht is uh, based out of New York, but both phenomenal artists. And that was a really fun project to work on. But yeah, I'm always looking for that. I want to collaborate. Even the essence of my studio is like that. Cortland is not my discipline. He's a musician, so he's making music and he's scoring and creating sound design for things. 
and I'm making visual art, but we've, anytime we've connected our disciplines, it's just been so much more fun. It's great to create an illustration, but if I can create an illustration that then gets animated and then gets scored and then has sound design to it, now it's like transformers, you know? It's something completely different than what it, what it was, and that's just so much more fun to me. No, definitely. I think that that bringing what you have to offer and seeing what someone else has to offer and seeing where it goes, it's so exciting. And you just get inspired, you know, like, so like I hear his music, it inspires me to create visually. If he sees my visual art, it inspires him to create sonically. It's just all art is inspired by other art, no matter the discipline. So I don't know. I think that's why I love it so much. Awesome. Um, when you first got started, how did you find new clients? Yo, it's hard. It's hard, man. Uh, I think that I found that not just in the art industry, but any of the stuff I've done in my life is, it's, I know this sounds cliche or whatever, but it has a lot to do with who you know. And I, I'm just saying in my life, I found that when I know somebody or somebody gives me a recommendation or I meet somebody, that has always been the thing that's been the most uh, directly resulting in new work or new clients or new relationships for me. So one example is when I, right, even before I started school, I had just moved to Denver and school was about to start in the fall. This is 2010 and I Cortland's dad Cortland and I have been friends for like 15 years his dad has been in the television industry for a very long time and he had a studio in Denver uh, called impossible pictures and I reached out to him and said hey do you have an internship program and he was like well aren't you going to school for illustration I mean we don't really use that they're just like television commercials they did some motion graphics stuff like that but not like direct illustration, but I was like, I just want some experience. I just want to be in the industry and connected to it in some way. And he said, all right, yeah, come do an internship for a month. This is like the month before school started. And I did it. And it was really cool. I was on shoots. They're doing commercials for Dish Network. It's all live action stuff. But still, I learned a lot. But I met people there. Well, then one of the editors that worked for him ended up leaving and going to a studio in Boulder. And she then said, hey, we're needing some illustration stuff. Do you want to come work for us? And I was like, sure. So because I did that internship, I met her. Then she went somewhere else. They needed illustration. She knew I did it. And then I ended up working for them all through school. They were like one of my main clients. Awesome. And that's how I got it. You know, so, and then that, that's just been how it's been for me. I mean, you're, you're a talented dude, so don't sell yourself short. You're a super talented dude. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, but. Yeah. Do you have yeah. any, any networking tips, especially for young artists? I mean, yeah, I don't know, dude, it's, it's hard. I, it's hard to juggle like working and developing as an artist and having an online presence and trying to get your work out there. Um, I think I would say continue to work and make new work and the work you want to make 
but continue to stay in touch with your peers. So anybody you meet in school, stay in touch with people. Who are they doing? Or what are they doing? Who are they working for? Um, I mean, yeah, just try to surround yourself or stay connected with people who are in the industry. And, you know, maybe, maybe that means, you know, join the Society of Illustrators in LA or in New York and continue to try to enter competitions. I've done that too. I, I haven't seen a lot of direct work come out of those competitions, but I've, in, I've entered them. I've won awards. I've done things like that, but maybe that'll work, you know, for you. So I would say try it, but yeah, I don't know. I think you need to just continue to make work, put it out there. Social media is obviously a big, one of the biggest, if not the biggest ways to market yourself. Um, and I have seen direct results from that. So I would say definitely try to maintain a presence there. Um, I actually got the work that I did for Cartoon Network because somebody saw some stuff I was doing on Instagram and an art director reached out to me via that. So yeah, definitely use that. But relationships. And then the next thing I would say is when you do get an opportunity, you really got to come through, you know, you really got to shine. You really have to be like committed to making this a long-term thing or as long-term as it can possibly be. If you have that attitude, like I'll do whatever you need and I will be indispensable for you. If that's your attitude, most people are going to recognize that and appreciate that. And that's going to cause them to return to you time and time again, because they know that you're going to produce for them, you know? So that's something else. I would, nice. I would good, good advice. Good advice. Are you, um, do you still stay in touch with anybody from your Remcad days? Yeah, dude, there's a handful of guys. I still stay in touch with Grant Griffin, John Baker, uh, Roman Martinez, uh, Raul. Um, there's a few guys. I still keep in touch with and they're doing cool stuff. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Do uh, you think that, you know, the small community at RimCAD helped prepare you in any way? Oh, dude. RimCAD is, was a phenomenal experience for me. I, uh, I, I, I'll sell it to anybody because I, uh, and I will say the on ground experience in my last, and I know in light of the current, pandemic you know it's obviously shifted and things are different but my last semester is when I feel like I think the school the last year I was there the school was purchased by Full Sail and there was some shift in things and I started to have to take some online courses in the last like one or two semesters and I understand the beauty of online courses I understand the versatility it provides I understand how good of a tool it is and, and it works in so many ways but for me i do not like it um i loved being on campus in classes in all all my classes not just studio classes my lecture classes i love those and and i think being on campus the illustration program specifically in the shore building we had such a tight little group we called ourselves the shore boys 
and we would be in there just for all hours of the night. I mean, I was there overnight several times. Janitors were kicking us out. Um, and then I even had a studio space in, in the other building for studios. My Speedback? Junior and C yeah, Speedback had studio space over there, which was invaluable. Um, the community there was so good and so strong and so inspiring. Um, I wouldn't trade that for anything, dude. I loved it. Um, and I loved like the, the beauty of the campus and how it's small, but also f I toured the Art Institute before I decided to go to RIMCAD and hated that. It was like two floors in some building that a million other places rent out in that same building and it just felt uh, not conducive. Uh, and then I went and toured the, the campus at Rincam and immediately was like, yes, this is what I need, you know? Um, That's what I fell in love with when I did my job interview. I just went and saw the campus. I was like, all right, this, this yep. feels like home. Yep. And it was home for me for four years. I was there more than I was home. So I loved it, dude. Um, the only thing is, is the library is not quiet enough. That, you guys got to get some stringent laws on the library noise level because I don't know what it was, but every other library I've ever been in, you know, people know you got to be quiet. But at RIMCAD, everybody's talking. It's so loud in the library. I'd go in there and try to like write a paper or study or do something not conducive. So that's it's, my it's gotten louder. The library noise level. <laughs> we do have quiet rooms. We do have quiet rooms. So if you need yeah. a quiet space, we have that. But we've kind of transformed uh, Triborough into the learning common. So um, yeah, we do events in there. We do workshops and speakers. It's it's a little bit louder. I I get where you're coming from, but we have quiet rooms for for those who need them. I, you may not have them at the time. I don't think so, dude, or maybe, I don't know. I didn't know about it. I just yeah. turned my instrumental music up really loud so i didn't hear everybody's conversations yeah it it's it's a it is a loud place it's it's gotten louder i promise you that though <laughs> so, but it it's been renovated you've got next time you're in town come come through and the campus is open i want to show you the library because you'll just be like that's this is not the same place all those giant bookshelves that you couldn't see over yeah. We got new ones that you can see over and they're modular and we can move them around oh, depending cool. on events and, and all that. So we've cool. kind of branched out a little bit. That's cool. So before we go, is there any projects that you're working on that you can tell us about? Well, um, I, I, I just worked for the last year for Cartoon Network on Ben 10. It's like a reboot of, of Ben 10. Ben 10 been going forever, but it's like the third or fourth reboot. And I just worked on that for the last year, and that was really fun. Um, and I have a really good friend who's art director there. Uh, but then he's left, and he's he's signed on to another show um, at Titmouse, and it's a Star Trek animated series that's coming out real soon, like CBS All Access. It's kind of like okay. a comedy. Uh, and oh, so, I've heard about that. Yes, I do know so about that. So hopefully, fingers crossed, 
I'll get to jump on that with him and start doing some background background work or something like that. So that's kind of in talks right now, but I'm excited about it. Hopefully that, that pops. Are you a Star Trek guy? Heck yeah, dude. What, what? My, my dad and I used to watch Next Generation. Next Generation, that's what's that. Heck yeah, and then this show is based in that time period. It's all next gen. So that would be even cooler if I could do it. But we'll see. I don't know. That's awesome. Oh. Um, all right. What I, I said last question, but I have one more last question. As okay. a self-described student of discipline, how do you avoid creative burnout, especially now? Yeah, dude. Um, well, for me, I think the variety, variety in your work helps with that. And again, that can tie into collaboration. Uh, if you're collaborating with others and it's going to push you to do different things. And I think that keeps things fresh and inspiring. Um, but I also think that you got to feed the creativity. So like you've got to have uh, an outlet that you're experiencing creativity, but not necessarily creating it. So like just make it a priority, you know, to like listen to new music or to watch animation or, or film or or uh whatever it is that that feeds you you know um i think that's really going to help with it and then i would also say personal stuff helps with that um what is it that you want to make outside of any other client or anything like that do that you know, try to find time to do it. Even if it's not like full blown or finished work or whatever, do you enjoy just, you know, drawing nature? Do you, do do you enjoy, uh, you know, making movie posters or do you, whatever, whatever it is that you like to do, just do that, fit that into your schedule. Cause that's going to keep you happy as a creative and i think that that's really important and i do also think that can lead into your professional work too totally. i think the more work you make that you really like people are going to start to take notice of that so that's something i'm really trying to push into is even with nova nimbus we work for clients but we're really trying to push into our own original content too and just make this stuff we want to make and put it out there and hopefully that'll start to garner attention from paying clients too and you can start to do that stuff in a broader context so awesome great advice anthony so, thanks i appreciate your time i hope uh you know now that you're back in in colorado you'll come visit us at the school um drop in just let me know um yeah. i hope you and your family of 87 children and your wife and your extended family of 14 million people um, are all healthy. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure guys. All right. You have a good one. Yeah, you too. Thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode. Remember, you can find links and images from today's guest on our website, remcad.edu forward slash remotely creative. And don't forget to submit your questions for us by emailing remotely creative at remcad.edu. That's R-M-C-A-D dot E-D-U. Make sure to subscribe to Remotely Creative wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. 
Special thanks to our team here, Gretchen Marie Schaefer, Chris Daly, Mel Kern, Josh Smith, and Madeline Austin for making today's episode possible. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other.